informative, educational, insightful. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Okay, how are you do how are you folks doing today? We are at the Sage Summit 2015 in New Orleans, Louisiana. And today I have a wonderful guest for you. Her name is Riva Lasansky. For 25 years, she was the editorial director for Entrepreneur Magazine. And for the last seven and a half years, she's been the CEO of her own content company, Grow Biz Media. Check out her website at smallbizdaily.com. And you can follow her on Twitter at Riva. R-I-E-V-A. <laughs> That's right. At R-I-E-V-A. Now, Riva, tell yeah. us a little bit about yourself today. Well, basically, you summed up my whole life. I've, I've been, I was working, been working for Entrepreneur, had worked for Entrepreneur Magazine for a very long time, for 25 years. I was the editorial director, and about seven and a half years ago, I was like, why am I writing about this and not living this? And that was it. Took some editors, started our own content company, and, and we create content all about small business and entrepreneurship for websites like Small Biz Trends and AllBusiness.com, Fox Small Business, and for a lot of corporations like Fundera, Web.com, um, AT&T, Funbox, Alibaba. We do blogs, articles, podcasts, webinars. We work with SCORE. Um, basically, you name it, if it's about small business and entrepreneurship, we are contributing. And what brought you here to Sage Summit 2015? Well. Um, a couple of things. One, um, I have, I'm part of the owners of the Rule Breakers Awards and Sage was our primary title sponsor. So we had our award ceremony Tuesday night and we gave out awards to entrepreneurs who broke the rules. We're not looking at who's making the most money, but who broke the rule to get where they got because we think breaking rules is part of the entrepreneurial spirit and game and it's how you get ahead. Um, also, I'm speaking on, I spoke on Tuesday on the power of women and I'm speaking uh today at later this afternoon thursday on um, the power of mobile marketing and how you can't ignore mobile okay so one of the things that you, we all know about the sage summit is that for small businesses and other businesses one of the things that occurs is that sage is a good product for helping people get in helping their small businesses and their medium businesses grow and that this summit is an event in which they do that. Now, you were talking about women in marketing, women in business, and how you can help them. Tell me a little bit about what your what your expertise is in, in that area. Well, um, first of all, I am a woman entrepreneur, so <laughs> that, that, that goes for part of it. Um, when I was at uh, the magazine. I tried to start a magazine for entrepreneurial women three times. But one, the first one back in the 80s when I kind of noticed there were more women starting businesses. The 90s is when women business owners just took off after the recession of 1988, 1990. Women had gotten into the workplace but last hired, first fired. They had no, they had no jobs. They started businesses and have been starting businesses and growing them ever since. Um, being here at the Sage Summit, I think Sage is really important 
important for a number of reasons. One, they're a big, big, big corporation, but they still think like entrepreneurs. So they're constantly innovating, constantly thinking about how can we refine our product to make it more useful to an entrepreneur? How can an entrepreneur better use this? Taking advantage of the cloud, which is so important today. I think when it comes to women, Sage has a lot of women in really powerful positions. And I think that there's a lot of corporations that say we care about women, but there's not a whole lot that have a lot behind it. And I think Sage does. And I, I just really admire what they do and how they do it. So you've seen that they have a lot of women in positions of control and, and, and just advancement. So when you're talking to your, your sessions here today, uh, and you talked to earlier today, the women about their businesses and growing their businesses. What do you think is the number one thing that they need to know to grow and to expand as a business? Well, I, I personally believe that really when you look at business operations, small business operation, 80% of it is the same. It Whether you're a man, a woman, no matter your race, your age, 80% of business, you know, a business plan is a business plan and it's not going to matter who or what you are. But there's that 20 or 25% or so that is going to is going to change based on maybe your age, where you live in the country. Um, your your level of technology, uh, you know how smart you are with technology, whether you're a woman, how the circumstances around you. That said, during the women's session, one of the most asked questions, several women mentioned it from the audience, was they felt like they were being pushed back by men. They felt like they were still, in 2015, still running smack up against that old boys network. And, you know, you, we sit here sometimes and we think we're done with this. We've, we've been covering this for 20 years and it's over and it's not over. And so I think part of that is uh, those who are outside the bubble of basically, you know, businesses controlled by white men. That's just what it is. Those who are outside the bubble need to work together to push their way in and, and sort of disrupt that old boys network and create not only networks of their own but a big network where they're they can match them in numbers so what you're saying is that the people who were new into the business women and minorities whatever need to do strategic alliances so that they can work together to build each other up and to go forward right. in the industry. Instead of beating your head against, I need to get into this network, you know what? Ignore it. You know, that's what I told That's what I told them. I said, ignore the bastards. That's exactly what I said during my session. And go find the other way. Find the other people that you can work with. So you, there is strength in numbers. There's, we can't deny that. So you, you strengthen your team by coming up with other people who are also outside that, that inner circle. You know, do you find that there are a lot of women in business today or is the number still small? Well, relatively speaking, so this is what's really interesting because the, the, the way they defined it has, has changed. So right before end of the 90s, people were talking about, oh, by the year 2000, women are going to own half the businesses in the United States. It, it never even came close. I mean, we were, I think because of how they defined it, we were closer then than we are now. Women own about 33% of the uh, businesses in the U.S. That means they are 
um, minor majority shareholder. There's, you know, it's not like they're women in name only. They have to be the head operating of that of that business. Um, you can get certified as a women-owned business. We're certified as a women-owned business. They come, they check, they make sure that that it is the woman doing. You can get certified as a minority-owned business as well, which helps sometimes um, if you're trying to do business with the government because uh, they're often looking for women in minority-owned businesses to subcontract to. Um, so you you can. You have to be strategic about what you do. You can't just say, I'm going to start a business, hang up your shingle and, and get going. You have to think about what are the obstacles and how are you, you can't let them stop you, but you have to plan how you're going to get around them or over them. You can't just wait till they show up because then you can't react. So now as a woman, do you find that there are any advantages that you have in the business world? You know what? I, I, it's not, I, I came to entrepreneurship with a, a, a reputation um, based on my years at the magazine based on when I first started working there nobody knew what an entrepreneur was nobody could spell or say that word so having put my years in there it was a little bit different I was able to walk in but I will tell you why I was that I was the I'm the was the first female editor of a general business um, magazine and there were people looked at me like what do you know about business you're 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 a girl you know that kind of thing and so i face it there i don't face it now because i i spent my time building up my reputation and name in the trenches can you have an advantage in you know subcontracting opportunities but i still think it's hard funding you know who gets the money not women not minorities they're not getting funded when when you look at vc money when you look at angel money when you look at bank loans that's not who's getting the money so when we talk about the fact that it's necessary for the strategic alliances and stuff to go forward, to, to grow your business and, and to move to the next phase, you know, it brings to mind something that was said to me a long time ago um, as an African-American businessman, and I was doing commercial real estate at the time. I had a Jewish gentleman, Michael Epstein in, in California, come up to me and he said, he says, you know you're one of the few black people who I've ever seen in this industry. And I was like, okay, I'm not sure what that means, but okay. <laughs> and he says, and I want you to know that you shouldn't use the, think of that as a disadvantage. Think of it as an advantage. And I said, well, why? And he says, if you do a really good job, the people who you work for will know who you are. And in a room like the room that we're in today or in, in, in a big conference center where there's 10,000 people and he says, let's say you're in a conference room in a center like at, at the International Council of Shopping Centers Convention, which is where we were. And he says, I'm talking to another developer. And he says, I need somebody who can move product quickly, who can get my space filled quickly. And you just did that for me. What, are you, what does that mean? He says, I tell him, well, I worked with Lindsay. And Lindsay's here today. He's a black guy about this tall. He says, what do you think the odds are that he's going to find you in the building? <laughs> it does give you an advantage, I guess. <laughs> and so, um, and, and then he said, and you've got to realize that there are people who aren't going to want to do business with you because you're black. There are people who are willing to do business with you because you're black and there are people who just don't care they just need to get the business done right he says you only need the last two groups 
So when I think about women in the, in the business industry, I think that's an attitude that women should look at, is that if they go into an industry, if they go into, into business and doing the things that they want to do, then they should look at it as, okay, there are very few of us in this in this end. As long as I do a good job and we're in a place that's male-oriented, there is going to be a chance that I'm going to receive more business because it'll be easier for me, for the individual who knows I've done a good job, to say who I am and pass me on. Right, because you can stand out from the pack. I mean, that's always, it's always good to be a little bit different because that's how you can differentiate yourself from, from the crowd. But in, in an ideal world, it would just be, we would just be business owners and it wouldn't matter that, you know, what we, what we are and what we do. That is so true. That is so true. We're working towards that, right? Yes, we are. <laughs> yes, we are. So, um, considering the fact that uh, you also do mobile you're going to do a speech on mobile. Give us a couple of wisdom points that you think would be good for a woman who's who needs to expand her business and how to do the things. So mobile. for for mobile marketing, this is something really interesting. Normally, entrepreneurs like to pat, pat themselves on the back and say, "Ooh, we're we're cutting edge. We're leading the group." In this case, consumers led it. Business owners were slow to fall. Consumers are leading the mobile revolution. And the, the, the bottom line is, no matter what size your business, large or small, you need to be, mo- you need to market mobile, you need to have a mobile-ready, optimized website, because that's how consumers are looking for information. Google in April started on mobile searches, started penalizing companies that didn't have mobile friendly websites. You're going to lose organic ranking or you'll gain it if you are. So there's no choice. People are shopping mobily. They're searching mobily. And if you are not there, you are going to lose business. And with that point, I'd like to bring somebody else into our conversation. What we have with us today is Chuck Marcouille from... Avalon, Avalera, Avalera. I'm sorry about saying that wrong. Uh, He's director of sales learning. His role is in developing the true Alvera sales force to evangelize businesses on the complexities of sales tax. (laughs) We know how tax is no matter what it is. So to have somebody who teaches his salespeople the appropriate things is nice. He has 24 years of business to business technology experience and he came to Avalara. Avalara. After 20 years with ADP, the payroll and HR giant. Now, looking at what she has just said about the mobile enterprise and all of that, is that something that, as a business yourself, that you guys think it's something that, and, and I realize that you're doing sales sure. tax, but for your for your clients, they need to know this information about mobile and, and all the rest so that they can actually put their sales fight tax strategies into place. Oh, absolutely. Right? We're, we're seeing, if, if you look at uh, how retail change and how that's going on in the United States in the last year, you look back at uh, Black Friday and how Americans bought. Uh, if you look one year ago, two years ago, most people bought in stores. But you look at last year, you saw that the purchases that were being done on Black Friday after Thanksgiving dropped about 11 to 17 percent depending upon the store from what they had done the year before but mobile went through the roof and as far as virtual purchases instead of it being just on desktops as it had been in the past we saw 34 34 35 percent of all the purchases being done on a phone 
which we had never seen before. So how people are buying and how businesses have to reach their consumers is changing dynamically year after year based upon the technologies and how technologies are flexing. So it's absolutely what she's talking about. So uh, when, when you're working with people, and I don't know that this fully fits into your program, but when you're talking about the complexities of sales tax and these people are now doing business online with your clients and they are coming from California, Michigan, New York, in which your clients may have a physical presence in which right. they have to do, they then have to collect the sales tax for. Um, how do you get your salespeople to explain that to people that they need to have, they need to look at how these complexities work together? Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the things that we're seeing because we're seeing small, more and more small businesses, women-owned businesses, minority businesses, business across the board go into some sort of uh, online presence. And that's a lot because the barrier to entry to get into mm -hmm. a small business online is much smaller than it was years ago. So the capital up front and what you've had to have in the past. But here's the challenge. As you go into business, you're looking at partners in order to be able to help move your goods. Let's say we start a little business and we're making you know, just promotional items. And we want to get our cool promotional items. They're unique. Nobody else has it. We want to partner with Amazon because a lot of stuff it goes through the Amazon marketplace. Well, Amazon has fulfillment by Amazon. We think, hey, we're a small business. I'm from Seattle, Washington. All I have to be is in Seattle, and I'm, I'm responsible for taxes in the state of Washington. Oh, no, wait a second. Now that you're doing fulfillment by Amazon, because when you shop, for example, Lindsay, when you go on Amazon and you buy something, are you a Prime member? Yes, I am. You're a Prime member. Most people are. Oh, yeah. In fact, almost 60% of everything that's sold through Amazon is through Prime. People look at that and they go, hey, Prime, I can get it shipped in two days. Well, in order to get it shipped two days, and we've partnered with you and I, our new business, to sell these promotional items, we're partnering with Amazon, and we're going to do this thing called Fulfillment by Amazon. It's really cool. Amazon's now going to ship our stuff out. They're going to have the Prime logo on there. We're going to make a lot of money, right? But the problem is we've got to put our promotional items in 22 different states. It's not Amazon's item. It's our item. And the states are saying, ha, 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 little business. Welcome to our state. But I'm, I have an office in Seattle, Washington. I'm, I'm not in California, Nevada, Georgia, uh, but Minnesota. I <laughs> but Amazon has a warehouse there. And now our, our promotional items are sitting in those warehouses. And they say, hey, you physically have this item in our different locations. In order to be able to work with Amazon, that's your property. Where's my tax? Right, right. Now, don't you think that's something that women entrepreneurs need to know? I think uh, here's the, one of the things I think all entrepreneurs need to understand is don't try to do it all yourself. You can sit there and try to figure out what sales tax goes where and you'll one, drive yourself crazy, and two, you won't get any work done. So the, the key advice for entrepreneurs and women, especially because women don't like to think we can multitask, which we can, but it's is stick to what you're good at and then find the other companies to take care of the other stuff. Use software, use the cloud, use the stuff that's available to you so you don't have to worry about it. I don't know Chuck, never met him until just now, but if you use this, you don't have to worry about, wait, I sold something in, you know, know Mississippi and the sales tax there is this and the sales tax who, who would have time to do your business so it's about is getting as much off your plate as you can so you can concentrate on product development sales and marketing now what are your thoughts on that Chuck absolutely we, we've built our business around three fundamental beliefs about business you know like the great uh, CEO Jack Welch once said do what you do best outsource the rest 
as a business today, you've got to stay close to exactly what your customers are, are hiring you for and mm-hmm. what gives you your unique value proposition and then get rid of those things. When it comes to tax, you know, we understand a couple of truths. The government is getting more and more complex, not less complex. But the beautiful thing about it is technology can overcome that complexity. Yes. And the second thing is, is that sales tax is a high risk, little reward part of daily doing business. You're in business. Just because you got a business license, the states have looked at you and said, hey, congratulations. You're now an unpaid revenue agent for the state of fill in the blank. Um, we're so excited that you're doing business here. But by the way, collect our money for us. And unlike the civil courts where you're innocent until proven guilty, as a business, you're guilty until proven innocent. So every now and then we're just going to knock on your door and we're going to come in with these people called auditors and we're going to take a look at your books and you better have the paperwork to show that you did it right. You may have done it right, but I need to see the paperwork. And if you have, congratulations, we'll walk out the door. But if you don't have that paperwork completely buttoned up and show that you collected the right tax, the right exemption certificates, did all the filings of the forms, we're going to ask for our money and penalties and interest. And that is, that's something that people really need to understand, that there are penalties and interests out there for, for your tax issues and, and for not doing those types of things. And the same thing happens with your business things. If you're, if you're selling in another state, there's sometimes a requirement that you have licensure in that state. You know, it, for people who are selling travel, for example, like I do, if I sell travel on the internet into the state of Florida or California, then I better have a Florida or a California license to sell within that state and meet the requirements within that state. Otherwise, they're going to say I entered into the bounds of their meets and bounds of their state, and they're going to find me up the yin yang, and they're going to tell me I can't do business in their state for so long just because of the fact that I didn't follow that one little thing. Now. In programs like your program, does your program alert people to, to that type of stuff, Chuck? Or well, not? let's see. What we do is we completely take over the, the compliance burden for our customers. So just like, like I said, I come from ADP. If you started up a business today, would you consider doing payroll? No, I, I, I hire somebody for payroll. Absolutely. And it's the same concept when it comes to compliance and tax. So with all of the dizzying changes that are going on, what we do is, for example, we're at the Sage Summit. We're a great partner with Sage. If you bought Sage because you're starting to set up your business, then we would come in and link into Sage. And whenever you're doing your transaction, we would provide you the tax codes that you need on the products that you're trying to sell because the product taxability is just crazy as well. So, for example, have you ever eaten a bagel in New York? Uh, In New York? In New York. Have you ever had a bagel? (laughs) Yes, I'm from New York. All right, you have, you're from New York. <laughs> oh, okay. So the, the, in, in the state of New York, if you have a whole bagel, that's not taxable because that's a food item. But if you cut the bagel, that's a service that's now taxable. In New Jersey, for example, if you have still water, that's non-taxable. But if you put bubbles in it, now that's a, a beverage, that's taxable. So it's, it's these kind of things of not only where am I doing my business, but what am I selling and what are the rules that go along with it? Because what most uh, companies that are starting up don't understand is that our whole tax system was built upon the, the thought of a tangible economy. You know, it was once upon a time built in the 30s where it was basically saying that, hey, if you had a tangible product and a tangible store, we know how to track that. But we've moved to a service economy and a virtual economy. And the tax laws are changing and constantly evolving. So businesses then, you know, uh, hey, we, we know this. We've been doing this for years. It's just like, did you know that there were th- over 2,000 um, different tax changes last year alone. How have you kept up with that? They don't know. 
and it changes from municipality you miss municipality you know the city of la is within the county of la and they have different tax requirements Absolutely. you know and so it's a matter of i know people who like oh i'm gonna buy this i'm gonna go you know to the inland empire i live in um southern california because it's like two percent less than exactly. it is in orange county or la and so how would how would any entrepreneur have a chance of keeping up with this you can't it's, it is like payroll there's yeah. like fifteen thousand different payroll um codes on the books because every little area has a different one you got you've got as an entrepreneur you've got to know do figure out what you need to do and how you're going to do it and then let everybody else take care of the rest of it and 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 that's an important thing you know prior to uh starting as my travel agency for 16 years 17 years i was a lawyer and I was a tax attorney, and I was an employment lot attorney, and I did transactions and mergers and acquisitions for people. And one of the things, you know, the biggest hassles that we have when we're doing a mergers and acquisition deal, not is de determining what the assets are and what our tax liabilities are going to be on different things. I mean, we know what the debts are going to be because those are easy to find. But all the rest of the stuff, you have to figure out what it is in this state and what, are your, what the complications are going to be. In tax, you have the same thing. So I, th I think one of the takeaways that we get from here today is that work on your side of scope that you understand. And for everything else, you really should go outside and get somebody who's an expert to assist you. And yes, there may be a little bit of a cost to it cost is tax deductible right and it's that's true but it's less of a cost than it used to be if you go back before all of this and you go back to thinking you were going to start a business in the 1980s or 70s or 90s before all of this technology you were going to have to hire accountants to figure all this out i'm sure whatever his program is it costs a whole lot less than hiring a staff of accountants to make this happen so yet there's an investment but it's so much less money than it used to be to run your businesses 20 years ago it's just smart. Yeah, absolutely. Find, find somebody. I, I love a quote from one of the former CFOs of uh, um, drugstore.com who basically said, I don't know anybody who's been promoted based upon their ability to do tax right, but I know plenty of people have lost their job for doing it wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is so, so true. That's so true. Wow, it's been fun having you guys here today. Um, I would like each one of you to give me a little takeaway of what you think is the most important thing that a person here at Sage Summit 2015 could learn from you and, 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 and what your little words of wisdom would be to somebody who's starting a business today. I guess I would sit there and say there's hope out there. You don't have to go the compliance road all by yourself, that it's not just about staying in compliance but doing all the work. And there's great technology and services partners like Avalara who can take that off your shoulders and let you focus on staying close to your company and your, your customers. It's never been easier to start a business. I've been doing this since the late 70s. Because of companies like Chucks, because of companies like Sage, technology is out there, information is out there. A lot of it, the information is free. There's so much that you could learn going to a Sage Summit. If you know next year, I don't know where it's going to be yet. That's going to be Chicago. They, okay. have, they just said that a few moments okay. ago. Okay, Chicago. That's the, my hometown. So you come to my hometown. I'll show you the way around. Chicago 2016, we'll there's so much to learn here. So I, it's definitely worth the investment. Okay. 
Well, I would like to thank you for coming over and spending some time with us here on Voice America. And if anybody wants to get information on or hear about some of this, you can go to voiceamerica.com, listen to this on the archive. You can also go to Voice America on Facebook. Just go Facebook slash Voice America, and that will bring you to our site. Thank you again, Riva Lasansky and Chuck McCoye for coming to get, spend some time with us today. Thank you. Thanks, thank you, Lindsay. Lindsay.